0: I'm absolutely fascinated about where technology is going, both the good places it's going to and the bad places, (laughs) because I think everything has two sides to it. Um, I I think to the extent that you can stay abreast of it and do things to amplify the good side and do things to mitigate the downside is still a learning experience every single day that evolves.
1: Well, welcome back to Clown Talk. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. And in today's episode, you get to hear from Rackspace's new CTO, Srini Kaushak. Now, Srini comes with years and years, dare I say decades and decades of experience inside of tech, he is an individual contributor, as a tech fellow inside of IBM, as a CTO, as a CIO, and even a CEO. EO, both for large corporations and even startups. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation today. Now, I want to remind you, we have a brand new sponsor here at Rackspace. It's AppDynamics. How does your observability stack up? They challenge you go beyond monitoring, get full stack observability with a business lens from AppDynamics or part of Cisco. All right, folks, make sure you stick around after the interview. Got some extra information for you out there. If you haven't already subscribed, well, great time to do that while you listen and then lastly if you're not already participating in our tuesday and thursday cloud talk lives we'd love for you to come be a part of that conversation that's right we take input from from the global community while we have these great conversations i hope to see you there all right let's get on with today's episode
0: between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global
1: computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without
0: even breaking the sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan.
1: In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient faces founders
0: to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter.
1: Well, if you are one that follows press releases for different tech companies, then you will uh, know that back at the, I guess it was the end of December, uh, there was a press release from Rackspace Technology that they picked up a brand new, brand new shiny CTO. And uh, that that new CTO is uh, is our guest today. It's Srini
0: Kaushik. Srini, welcome to Cloud Talk. Jeff, this is a pleasure. Um, yeah, shiny. I don't know how that description fits. But <laughs> yeah, shiny absolutely. new like, uh, Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: I'm so glad that you are here. And, you know, you joke about, you know, not being, you know, shiny and new because you you this is not a first CTO role for you. It's not a, a first technology role. You've been around the block a little bit as it relates to technology, and you bring an incredible amount of experiences, uh, you know, to the to the role. And so I'm I'm anxious today to sort of pick some of that apart and and uh, let everybody get to know you a little bit
0: better. Absolutely, I would love to share some of those experiences and um, and but yeah, get into this conversation. This is going to be
1: yeah. good. Hey, so let me ask you a question. Why Let's let's jump into the into the into the present tense. Why did you choose to come to Rackspace?
0: What caught your attention? You know, uh, it's it's not, uh, obviously, it's not the first time I've heard that question. Um, (laughs) uh, But, but, you know, the answer is uh, always consistently the same, right? Now, one of the things you talked about my career, and um, I've been around in multiple different roles. Uh, I think what underpins that is I'm one of these guys who really thrives on transformation Mm. and uh, someone who likes to create something from very little or likes yeah. to uh, drive that. When you actually do get to a scaled business and you need to operate it, uh, I've always believed that it takes a different set of capabilities uh, to it's be so able to drive that. So, so there's, there's uh, two reasons why Rackspace made sense to me. Number one, as a company that, uh, Really has has learned how to do these pivots very well. It's 15 years old as a company, but we've already gone through two pivots and we're on the verge of a third pivot that, that right. we're going through, and and that's exciting to me, right? A company that's transforming itself, uh, being a part of that is is uh, is a great thing to do. And then the second piece is I've always personally the win win for me is when I get to learn something new, right? And being <laughs> able to come to a company uh, which uh, was one of the co-inventors of uh, OpenStack right with right. NASA uh, yeah. a, a company that has actually um, pioneered managed services for the cloud we were cloud before there was a cloud that's so a <laughs> <So> when you, <laughs> when you true. start thinking when you start thinking about that I think the opportunities to learn kind of end up being quite yeah it's just exciting so like to me it was a no-brainer uh, when 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 it came up.
1: When the call came through, well,
0: that's great. Yeah. Well, so we mentioned, wasn't your first role? Let's
1: let's dial the 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 history wheel back a little bit here. As far as as LinkedIn would tell me, your first really big tech role was was over at IBM, and you spent a good amount of time over there, yeah. starting in '93. Uh, managed, principal, and distinguished engineer. What, what what does that mean? And and what were you doing for IBM through the through the mid '90s and early 2000s? Yeah.
0: Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's going back a ways, but, but at the same time, uh, hopefully you'll see that there's a couple of things that are consistent about, uh, you know, you asked me well, why I came to Rackspace. Um, at IBM, clearly, it was the start of my career, so you weren't as picky. Yeah. You know, the IBM at that point in time was uh, was still a very revered name. Uh, yes. But they were at that stage where they completely missed the PC revolution and were considered a mainframe company. And a lot of people said they are kinda, kind of gone dead and, and not going to be there. Well, fast forward 30 years, they're still going strong. They're right? still going and strong. and it's, it's because of some of the transformational leadership that came in. Not that I made a deliberate choice to go there because Gershner was there. But it was just luck that I ended up being there at a time where here's one of the brilliant leaders in 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 the tech industry who doesn't get the credit because he always stayed in the background. He wasn't one mm. of those guys who hogged the press. But but he was able to transform that company and and for me as someone starting off new, it was great because Gershner wanted to focus on services. This okay. is before Accenture was Accenture. This is before all of these guys. Like he said. So this is you know, the birth really, of like
1: global services. And, global and services. services.
0: And so, so being in that space during that birth of global services gave me a really good platform. Uh, I was, and I hopefully call myself a technologist even today, pretty hands-on in, in terms of what I do. And that really was welcomed at IBM at that point in time. So my first stint. I would say for the 10 plus years I was at IBM, six or seven of those was as an individual contributor, yeah. but as an individual contributor whose contributions were front and center, right? I was pulled in to uh to rescue trouble projects. I was pulled in to uh to create a first of a kind um robotics system back in the nineties, like right, for, for wow. Abbott Labs. So as I did a lot of those things, it earned me that title of distinguished engineer, and what was unique about it was uh I was uh, IBM Global Services' first distinguished engineer, and I was one of the youngest, right, at that point in time. So I think uh, that got me to that uh, that phase where, like, that technical credentials were solidified, and uh, I was able to kind of... Uh, right the wave of, if you remember, uh, e-business, right? You know, so yeah. IBM, is this client-server, but they actually created this whole e-business space. They and really did. Being do. there at that time, it gave me those opportunities to grow with that company and get to where it was. And so that was my first stint. And I, I'm, I always tell people, IBM's in my heart, and it will always be in my heart. It's a good company with good values and ethics, and you know, I always wish to see them do well.
1: You know, fun fact, my dad was a lifer with uh, with IBM, started in the 60s, I believe. And uh, and his last role was in global services, running around the world, um, helping install all kinds of crazy stuff uh, for Barclays. He was uh, tons of time in South Africa. I mean, he was all over the world doing, doing yeah. that stuff.
0: Yeah. And that's so, the, yeah.
1: Yeah. Keep I going. never worked for him, but uh, always have a soft spot because, well, it was, uh, it was what funded my upbringing, which is kind of fun. <laughs> so, um, so if I were to ask you a question, I'm going to ask you this several times as we go through the, through the, the resume a bit, but what, what did you take away from, from that, that first big stint at IBM? What was, what was some of the things that really helped form, you know, who you, who you became as a technologist?
0: Yeah. I, I you know, uh, again, to me, that first stint at IBM solidified, uh, the, the fact that look while there's this technology industry has several people working in it there's a um, there's a core set of people who are actually the engineers these yeah. are the people who build things right it's it's that alone is not enough but without yeah. that you have powerpoints you have good go to market plays and others but at the core of it you're going to have something that you can um, sell something that you can use to solve problems. And that's down to the technology and engineering side. To that's me, right. that first years stint reinforced, and I've not lost it to date, uh, it reinforced the fact that that is where I can add value, mm-hmm. and I've got to kind of ne- make sure that I never lose that edge from a technology standpoint. And I think I, I can tell you there's no better place to be uh, in IBM. Like, uh, I just, uh, it's not a commercial for IBM, but, but uh, <laughs> they encourage you continuously learning and getting that built into your DNA is critical yeah. to the long-term success.
1: You know, it, it's so funny you say that because, you know, my father um, still says that to this day, you know, somebody who started back in the sixties, rode the mainframe wave, did the whole 3270 thing, worked on, on OS2 warp uh, and other stuff. And then, you know, IBM had some challenges in the nineties and as the people that he had spent a career with were all getting laid off, he had always said, keep learning, and stay close to the tech and stay close to the customer yeah. and you'll, you will be fine. And right. so he, uh, he lived out a great career. That,
0: that is sage advice for anyone, right? Like I, I would just repeat it word for word and that's absolutely the advice I'd give people as well.
1: Yeah. So true. Hey, so you left and you went over to nationwide, uh, SVP, uh, CIO and CTO. Was that at the same time or did you have two, two different roles or two different yeah. things
0: there? Well, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Right. Um, one of the first questions everyone asked is like, if "You loved IBM so much, why did you move on?" Right, and, yeah. and to me, it is about personal growth, right? You know, you can be in a place and do the same job over and over again, learn continuously, and you're going to get better. Yeah. But I, I also believe in the breadth of experience, right? Not mm-hmm. just the depth of experience. I also believe in the breadth of experience. So, when one of my colleagues from IBM went over and became the enterprise CIO at IBM at uh, Nationwide. I picked up a phone call. Called me and said like, "Shri, we've got this whole shared services organization, uh, which in nationwide at that point in time was called Nationwide Services Company." Yeah. He said like, "I need somebody who understands infrastructure, understands architecture, to come in to drive that." And by the way, he's the first guy who actually combined the roles and said like, "No, you're going to be CIO at, and CTO for the whole company because wow. the technology component is important, but I also want you to kind of grow and learn." Um, and we, I want you to pick up shared services. I want you to know what it's like to carry a pager. I want you to make sure that whatever system you're putting in kind of runs like it's designed. And you just don't get to, uh, you know, uh, build yeah, it and then walk away. Throw, throw right. it over the wall and, uh, right. and then move on to the next project. And that, that, that was very attractive to me. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's what brought me to, uh, to nationwide. So what was the
1: big takeaway as as you had both of those roles you had the stretch role moving into the the CIO space yeah. you know we'll get onto the next role in a second but but what was the big takeaway from Nationwide
0: The biggest takeaway at uh, I got from Nationwide again great company it always I think the thing I learned there was it's no longer about being a the smartest guy in the room yeah. it's about can you motivate a uh, large army of people <laughs> Yeah. to deliver this piece and that's a huge jump right and i again you're young you're confident you're like you know you can do this stuff so you come in from a place like IBM where you're youngest distinguished engineer then you walk in and within the first 6 months you step in every pothole that's that <laughs> right? you step in every pothole And uh, I was I was extremely again lucky to be part of an organization like Nationwide, which uh, didn't kind of cast you away when you made one or two mistakes. They were like, "Nope, I see the potential. I need to develop this this guy as a leader." So they put the time in, and eternally grateful to them because I think a lot of what I am today, half of it came from IBM, half of it came from Nationwide, right? And and that growth as a leader was important because that's what laid the stage for future things because unless you made that transition from being an individual contributor to how do you actually teach other people how to fish and motivate them to go fish uh, that that part was a critical learning uh, component of that second role well, and it's a, it's a big shift too, because you move from, you know, we,
1: we we both have seen, in fact, at Rackspace, we have a solution for people who want to stay technical, but they don't want to necessarily get into management. Making that shift is a challenging shift. Uh, and it's great that in, uh, that Nationwide invested, saw the value and invested with you. And obviously it went well. I mean, you
0: spent, what, nine, 10 years over there. 10 years uh, at Nationwide. Again, uh, I, I think you pointed it out. Uh, there's a lot of companies, and IBM was one of those where- you had a good technical career path and you had a business career path, right? You know, uh, yeah. and uh, very seldom did those two paths intersect, That's right? right. And and to me, uh, one of the other factors that excited me about the nationwide role was I got the chance to kind of move over because otherwise you're sitting on the other side saying, yep, I can do that job. That's easy. That looks easy enough because good leaders always make it look easy, right? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you go there That's and- and and you jump in into that and you very quickly realize that you don't know what you thought you knew, right? Yeah. And, and you had to kind of relearn some of those habits. And again, as I said, like, I, I don't, it wasn't as bad as I made it sound, but like the first two or three months, it was, uh, it was, you felt like a fish out of water. Yeah. Right. And, but, and, but you powered through. You yeah, powered through. Having an organization that is nurturing and develops the skills was critical to success there. Right. So what's the, it's like the, the big takeaway then? Really, it, it is about uh, how you build teams. Yeah. It is about uh, kind of, uh, you know, it, you use the words like inclusive and diverse and all of those things, but it is about uh, understanding your strengths uh, and complementing your team with a yeah. diverse set of thoughts like in a, and bringing it so that as a team your collective wisdom can pull us through as opposed to just one one guy like uh, you've worked with me enough to know that I I I'm I can keep coming up with new ideas and others but yeah. now, like after 20 years where I'm, I am at is I know you can come up with an idea but if you don't follow it up with the right team and the execution and the approach to solve it it's never going to become reality so Huge thing at Nationwide was you, that shift from individual contributor to a leader of, uh, of people. Uh, and how do you actually put the systems and processes in place to kind of bring up the the capability of the entire team?
1: I heard somebody say just the other day that uh, that vision without execution is just a dreamer. And yeah. execution without vision is yeah. bureaucracy. Yeah. And, or a uh, nightmare. <laughs> or a an- nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you, you've got experience in executing across both. But let's leapfrog for a second. Let's run over to when when you said, hey, somebody saw you know something in you and said, this is the guy to be a president and CEO when you went over to
0: NTT Research. Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. Well, again, uh, it, it's always uh, two things. There's an external factor and there's always an internal factor that drives me particularly. Mm-hmm. The, the internal part is – I don't mean to say that you just move on once you've learned. There's, you know, what I didn't talk about at the National Time is like, that was a time where that company went through a major transformation, uh. right? And, and once you put the systems processes in place, uh, it was time to kind of start saying, okay, so uh, I did not jump around in jobs, but spent the time, you know, eight, nine, 10 years to kind of learn it, uh, put in place systems and processes that are, that can that are sustainable. And then you get to the point where okay, so uh, at the age at which I was Jeff at that point in time, uh, I would have definitely been a blocker to future talent coming in, mm. right? So one wow. way of actually that's, that's uh, self aware right there, yeah. But continue to grow is like what did I what had I not done right, yeah. and then try to seek that out. So I think part of the internal drive was like the one thing that was nagging me all through, I was already in my uh, early 40s at that point in time, I had never done a startup. You hear these stories, you hear all of these hero stories about like zero to nothing and and those things. And to me, I said, well, good, like, you know, it's probably I'm I'm about a couple of decades too late. However, (laughs) uh, it's never too late to kind of jump in and, and work through that. Um, and then the, the connections that I'd established and the reputation I'd built so far actually positioned me well to go pitch ideas to NTT, which is the global mm-hmm. telecom in terms of what we can do. Yeah. And what they really wanted to do was two things. Number one, they, they wanted to make sure that they had a presence established in, in, in the U S, especially based in Silicon Valley. And number two, they wanted to be out there with a couple of innovative ideas and products. That uh, they can kind of use to launch their services businesses here in the U.S. Okay. So they set up this this um, completely standalone. I was employee number one, right? To task to go build that. Employee number one and the only employee. So you so were we, you were the
1: CEO and you were the janitor
0: all yeah, at once. Exactly, exactly. And 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 it is while there is a little bit of a safety net that it's NTT like funding the this piece. The rest of the things mirrored what a startup uh, CEO would go through, right? Because you got to go and attract uh, really good people to come join you. Uh, It's easier to do when you're at Nationwide or IBM. It it is really tough to do when you're – but the networks helped, And so you end up building uh, that. And that was one of the best uh, moves I made um, because the thing that's common about IBM and Nationwide, both were Fortune 100 companies. Yeah. with a complete infrastructure that was designed to make you successful you go from there to a completely new startup. even though NTT was a global company right. the startup had nothing right and you did, so you didn't get to ride on on their hr system no, any of the things you didn't get to do any of that stuff we really had to kind of spin it up from start to kind of drive it through and and that was that was very helpful because it's it's not like you just go hire Based on that, you've got to kind of think about what products. How can you scale it? What's the speed at which you can scale? Yeah. Um, you know, how do you drive that? And so, to me, that forced me to learn a completely new set of skills that I didn't have to learn in a large company, right? Um, you and I have talked about it, and uh, you've heard me talk through it. Uh, I talk a lot, a lot about lean startups, right? Yep. And, and how do you actually, uh, uh, you know, get to a business case to an MVP very quickly? How do you leverage agile? At a scale um, that that allows us to get things to market quickly, all of that was learned at that point in time, right? Which is just so you that, had. It. That's where it
1: came from. And, you know, just to let you guys know, I mean, we're going through all sorts of stuff. We're inventing new capabilities. We're refining what we have, and and you know, we're here. We are this you know twenty three year old company, and we know some things. And CERny's coming in, going lean startup, follow this model. It's going to be great. Watch it happen. And there's some results that are really really pulling together at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, again, uh, I, it's not that you walk in and you know the answers, but you look at the strengths of a team and what they do. I think combining what, say, again, at this point in time, the story builds well because the technical capabilities at IBM are still the foundation on which I do sure. think. Sure. Uh, the people side of uh, things at Nationwide was critical because it, without that experience, I would have just walked in and said, hey, look, we need to change out everything. You know, we have to yeah. kind of change out everything and let's just replace it with a completely new set of things. And that, that didn't happen. And it's not going yeah. to happen because you know that it's all about making the pivot. And if you can pivot, that's great. And what is something that uh, we can do at Rackspace? I think we've got a t- a really good ideas and we've made the transition as a company. I think if we start acting like a startup um, mm-hmm. and, and start leveraging those practices, we can pick up speed. We can increase quality. We can bring solutions to our customers much faster. That's awesome. so. I think that's that's kind of what you're doing. And then, but you, but but while you're bringing in those new capabilities, you're still kind of using existing uh, assets. Um, yeah, you 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 put yeah. tools in the tool chest and you pull
1: out yeah. what you need for for the moment. Right. We, right. It's uh, it's it's a great strategy. So uh, so uh,
0: NTT on onto Magellan Health. Yeah. So uh, NTT, again, as again, I
1: CIO out, and CTO at that point
0: yeah. as well. So we we had done uh, the, the startup for NTT four years into it. We had two products in the market with customers, actually paying customers for it. Um, I actually did want to go in and, and see if we can actually take it to a Series B type of a fund. Yeah. And NTT, uh, uh, you know, I, I, they're very smart. The Japanese companies are actually extremely smart in how they invest. They saw the potential in the products and they said, like, look, we are going to take it back in. We're going to spin it back in <laughs> to the organization. <laughs> so you were the
1: incubator, which is fantastic. So we,
0: we incubated it for them, um, but but it was, like, to me, the, talking about exits from a startup, it was a good exit. And at that point in time, um, you know, um, late 40s, just trying to think about, okay, so do I need to work more or do I need to kind of drive this? But that internal drive was always there, which is look, I can't sit and be a consultant or any of those things. Yeah. I've got to be able to do do something. And when the opportunity at Magellan came up, um, it was actually uh, really uh, uh, fascinating because it came up and uh, the recruiter who I work with still, he reached out and said, "Shrini, I know this is a role that's too small for you. I don't know if you'll be interested. <laughs> I said, like, no, tell me. Uh, tell me a little bit more about it. And yeah. uh, as the more I heard about uh, the fact that it's healthcare – I got to meet the CEO, a very visionary man. His name is Barry Smith, and I still yeah. am very close friends with him. And as Barry and I started to spend more time, he was like, look, I'm not hiring you because you were at a Fortune 100 company. I'm hiring you because you were at the startup. Because uh-huh. we need to, get to transform uh, this piece. And that was that was enough to sell me because now, again, building on the experience, can you merge what you learned at these large companies with what yeah. you learned with the startup? To get to have organizations of our size, Magellan and uh, Rackspace are about the same size, okay, um, or at least we're about the same size when I joined uh, Magellan. Yeah, um, can we actually get the the organization to act like a startup, and and that's kind of what we did for five years, right? We mm. uh, we drove cloud transformation. Uh, we launched a program right at the start uh, of, of my tenure there called Project Moonshot, which was mm-hmm. aimed at developing technical talent, right? And getting existing people who understood the AS400, the RPG on an AS400i series, <laughs> and giving them a pathway to learn so that, you know, the uh, it, uh, I wrote a blog post at that time said, like, how do you fight the war for talent without, uh, how do you win the war for talent without fighting it? <laughs> and, and it was all about investing in your people how do you get them to transform how do you give them the tools that and and the roadmap to drive that so um barry was a visionary he the ceo of Magellan, was a visionary and it was fun to work with him because he gave me the flexibility to go do what, what we needed to do to scale yeah. um and and it was fun for me because for for me it's uh, i got to Go back into a CIO, CTO role uh, after doing the CEO role with with the support structure behind it. That was good. But the second component of it was healthcare. Until that point in my career, I had never worked in healthcare. I was a consumer of healthcare like all of us, but being part of the healthcare organization for for five years was just eye-opening, just understanding the the healthcare Value chain, the, the process, that,
1: understanding the, the complexities, the compliance, the every.
0: Right. I mean, talk right. about putting more more capabilities in the tool chest. Right. So the five to six years, like at, at Magellan, was all about that, right? I think if you ask me what I picked up the most at Magellan, yeah. it's okay. like I got to understand healthcare quite well, right? And okay. and and that was that was, um, I think, as you get older and you're a more consumer, you're a smarter consumer, yeah. but beyond that. Um, you also see the opportunity in an industry like that for technology and how it can actually transform, um, you know, what you do in healthcare. Hey, what was the result of Project Moonshot? Uh, Actually, uh, so after year one, we, uh, we created, uh, seven, like we went from zero to 70 plus AWS certified engineers, right? Like, you know, both at the associate wow. architect level and the professional architect level. The team uh, took it up very well. Like, and I always tell people as part of a transformation, you got to remember that uh, there's a third and a third and a third. Right? Yeah. The third of the people that are going to be excited about it, they're going to jump into it there's a second third of the people that are going to be on the fence just saying yeah. Look, we've seen people like this come and go we'll wait but we'll jump in but the, the more sure the yeah. yeah they when you show initial success then they jump on board right and yeah. and when you do a third and a third you're roughly at 70% of the organization right the final third i don't mean it in a negative way for one reason or the other uh, they are what uh, people would call uh, 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 caveman, right, and caveman <laughs> stands for consistently against virtually everything <laughs> <laughs> right and and it's like they're they're not the wait and see folks they're just they're, it's just, a job they're just the no people. I don't want to it, do it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a job for them, right? You can't blame them. It's a job for them. It's like they're just coming in to do that. So anything that, that you're asking to do extra, like they're asking what's in it for me. But even when you explain what's in it for them, yeah. sometimes it's not enough for them to get over there. And so the other piece that you learn by running a team of people is just recognizing that that's the dynamics of any team you take over. Sure. Right? And, and, and so sure. the question becomes – uh, you spend the time to uh, drive the momentum for the transformation using the first third of people because they're going to be <laughs> the feelings uh, um, you start, in, uh, uh, you know, expanding the circle to include some of these uh, people who were waiting on the sidelines, but bring them in when they start to see progress and they see that it's a good thing. Yeah. And you never give up trying to bring that last third in. You, no. you just have to keep trying. You just have to keep trying. You don't compromise because you need to take the organization forward, but you absolutely want to bring that last third of the people or last 20% of the people along. Um, and and I think uh, you know uh, uh, what I've seen is like the more you try, the more people. It's slower, but more people come on board, and they they help you with the transformation.
1: Do you think that that is changing at all, sir? in in this modern age, where those that didn't want to change, even to more cloudy things, or or have have seen the absolute transformation of the world moving in this direction, and yeah. are they more open to it? Do you think?
0: I, I I actually do think it's changed uh, where the uh, where the spotlight has actually shifted to employers. <laughs> six yeah. years ago, I was six years ago. I, it was great for me to say like, "Look, the world is going to the cloud. We need everyone to kind of get there." Like, can it, this is where the jobs are. This is where the future growth is, and everything like that. And and that yes. was an accurate statement. Right. But if I say just that right now, that's not a complete statement. It's still an mm-hmm. accurate statement. It's not complete. Because um, there, while there are so many bad things that came out from the pandemic, uh, there's so many good things as well. I think people are reevaluating their priorities. People are trying yeah. to figure out, okay, this has got to be more than just coming in and spending 12 hours a day to do something. Yeah. Uh, I really like the flexibility I got out of the pandemic. So while I'm, sure. I, I'm willing to adapt, is the company willing to adapt, right? And, and, uh, and I think it's the spotlight shifts to employers And what I keep uh, uh, telling the management teams I'm part of is like, we've got, we've absolutely got to evolve, right? I haven't uh, started that conversation at uh, Rackspace, but uh, the technologies have made things simpler, right? I can do Zoom, I can do recordings, uh, I don't have to be in the same room as you to do this. That's That's become easier. What's been slower to evolve is our management. Management hasn't evolved. How do you do, like in in, in the old world, uh, I used to pride myself on management by walking around, having an open-door policy, right? Getting to know the people that you work with. That's harder to do in this world. It's harder to do in this world, but it's not impossible. And if you actually develop new habits, it's actually easier to do in this new world, right? However, not every manager has kind of uh, of taken that in and – uh, adapted his or home her own, uh, her own uh, ways to be able to drive it. I'm not saying I'm an expert by any ways or this thing but but you get to see okay look I would love to do a, a brainstorming session uh, because yeah. going into a room and throwing up uh, uh, like these post-its and sticky notes and moving them around like that's just it's it's both mentally uh, a good exercise but it's also a physical exercise you get to meet people so that's right. great. But in, an, in a world where you want to be more inclusive, you want to include people that's not just in this geography, but in different places, right? Or just don't live in the headquarters, town, but they live across the globe. That's right. I think we can evolve it. And you do it very well. You use Mural as an example. Yeah, I love that tool. Brainstorming. Yeah, Mural's fantastic as a brainstorming tool. But you also know that being a user of it, Everything you do in the uh, in the room doesn't translate well, but you have That's to right. adapt new habits and type that. So you as a leader, Jeff, have kind of learned new skills and you've adapted That's those right. skills. We need to get more of our people to do that. And I think when you do that, this whole, uh, uh, you know, a more holistic view of Project Moonshot that includes – what's in it for the employee, but it's also what's in it for the company. Kind of yeah. find that happy medium and balance.
1: You know, when I think about that last third, I think about a phrase that comes to mind that you hear from them. Well, that's not how we've always done it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love to take that and turn it more inward focused uh, because you talk about how we have to have these more, we have to, we have, to have different habits. We, we use different tools, but we, we need to get away from the method of how we do it and be more focused on the outcome. How do I achieve yeah. that outcome? Let me forget how I did it before because it was comfortable and I spent 20, 30 years figuring that out. Yeah. And, and now how do we drive that outcome? Yeah. And that outcome, you know, you, you're mentioning these, the folks listening don't know, but I use Miro as this tool to, to just go and talk to a bunch of rackers all around the globe and in, cor- incorporate them in these workshops. That became very cathartic for them. It was it was very therapeutic for them to get a bunch of stuff off their chest. We captured it all, became action things. And, uh, you know, we could have done it in a room. But, you know, I had people in there from Amsterdam to Singapore to San Antonio. And uh, and for them to all be in that conversation
0: together at one point um, was, was a great experience for them. But, but imagine every leader in, uh, in Rackspace having those capabilities, right? Now, mm-hmm. I imagine the boost in productivity, the inclusiveness, and in everything else that can go there. I'm not yeah. pointing it out as a negative. I'm just pointing it out as, like, I, that's why I am a glass-half-full guy. If we can achieve yeah. so much with what we're doing right now, just imagine what we could do if we can kind of uh, cultivate those habits uh, in, in our leadership um, so that, like, you know, yeah, everybody likes to talk about the great resignation and others. I'd like to kind of talk about the root causes of that. <laughs> I yeah. say, can we address the root cause?
1: Yeah. Um, and you're sort yeah. of steering, you know, cause we're, we're straddling in this conversation, the, the, you know, the, the fancy CTO role that you're in now and, and, you know, Srini, the individual and what drives you. And, Folks, if you're not already following him on LinkedIn, I encourage that you go track him down. Uh, his last post, uh, and I did warn him, I was going to ask him some of these questions, but his last post was a Steve, the Steve Jobs 2005 Stanford uh, commencement address, which was, I had actually never listened to it before, but in, in prep for this, I went back and of course was stalking anything I could find of you. And, uh, and that popped up. And, and so I watched it and, and I realized about you know, a third of the way and a quarter of the way in. Uh take some notes and ask him some ask you some of these questions. So one of the things that really drove Steve Jobs was his curiosity and intuition. And he was telling this as part of a story of when he dropped out of college and then started taking classes that intrigued him. Uh and uh and so you know he he tells the story about he took a calligraphy class and and the calligraphy class and understanding understanding everything about character and character design and and what's known as kerning or spacing in between it became you know was useless to him at the time but became priceless in creating the first mac and and how do they put beauty into 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 the text but he talks about curiosity and intuition um where do you go to to be inspired? Where do you go as an individual that feeds that curiosity that maybe doesn't make sense right now, but you've seen make sense over time?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, again, the connecting it back to what what uh, that particular talk talked about, what I love about it is they, like, number one, he says, pursue your passion, right? Yeah. Like, you know, do things that actually, uh, you know, uh, nourish your soul. You get to learn stuff. Like, there are things that you have to do Yes. And then there are things that you want to do and finding that mix between those two and doing that is definitely one. The second part of that, that he talks about, which resonates a hundred percent with me. And I can tell you like now that I'm much older than I was 20, 30 years ago, it, it, it I can see it come together. I did yeah. not have a plan that said, I need to do these four things because I can become a CEO or, or I can become a CTO of this company. I did things that were a like things that, you know, were interesting to me that I could learn. And as you do that, the, you'll remember the comment that uh, Steve Jobs had in that. It's like, trust that the dots will connect in the future. Yeah. <laughs> trust that this, this will connect together in the future. And, and that resonates with me because that's what it is. And so back to your question around curiosity, uh, I always have a very curious mind, right? You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I tell the story to people when the Apple Watch came out, right, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. This, like I was in the Bay Area, so like the Palo Alto store um, and a couple of guys who would come with me, they, they saw me, we walked in and I saw this whole shelf of Apple watches, like, you know, in a case that they had yeah. built and, you know, the Apple watch charges and others. And like, number one, when you walked in and looked at the case, you can see it today as well. None of the wires were visible right? You know, <laughs> not in the thing, there was nothing that was connecting it to the ground or any of that. None of the wires were visible. It was the, the displays were set up so that you had multiple things that were displaying and others. And I literally about five minutes in, I walked in and looked around and I said, I went down on my knees and I'm checking under the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, okay, let me, let me figure out like, you know, or at least I wonder how they did that. How did they do that? Yeah. How did they do that? Right. And and, yeah. and that's been one of these things for me that's there. And like I, to me, that happens in multiple domains. Right. Like I really yeah. I've always been fascinated with, you know, I've talked about it in the past. I've always been fascinated about music and how people make music. But yeah. like it's one thing to listen and enjoy it. It's another thing to say, like, no, I, I really want to know. Uh, What it takes to kind of go learn uh, how to play a guitar, right? Yeah, you just have to force yourself out of your comfort zone, go learn it, and then as you learn, you start to realize that there's just so many things that I loved about playing uh, music, especially playing in a band because there I didn't have to be the star, yeah, but I was the noise that actually filled it in that made the sound be much better, right? Like so, you kind of you're in a a very much a supporting
1: role that rhythm guitar player.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're you're playing rhythm guitar and you're the sporting person. It's like that was fun to do because now you're listening for other people who are leading it and you're kind of connecting the dots there. So anyway, that's uh, curiosity. I, I kind of try to learn wide. Um, I try to be uh, inquisitive about asking questions, but all in the spirit of like it's because I'm passionate, I want to just know, right, and not with the ulterior motive of if I do step A, I can do B, C, and D, right? That's never... Uh,
1: in my thought process. Yeah. Nice, sure. nice. Um, so you're absolutely going to have to come back because I have so many other things I want to talk about. <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask you one more question. So he, uh, Steve, broke that that conversation up into three sections. The last part was love and loss. He talks about when he got fired from Apple, and uh, and how that was. Um, uh, it went on to be a very good thing for him, and I love what he said there. He said, "You know, it was awful tasting medicine, but I guess I need it." Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was super self-aware. Um, but he talks about how you have to find uh, what you love. And, you know, I have to ask the question. You made the comment earlier um, through the exit with NTT. Um, you alluded to the fact that maybe having to have a day to, uh, an eight to five job wasn't necessarily something you had to do anymore yeah. from a financial point of view. But you've been doing it for many years, even after that. Yeah. You clearly love this work. What yeah. is it you love about it?
0: Um, the same thing that started my career, right? It's, it's technology. I I absolutely am fascinated about where technology is going, both the good places it's going to and the bad places, (laughs) because I I think everything has two sides to it. Um, I I think uh, to the extent that you can stay abreast of it and do things to amplify the good side and do things to mitigate the downside Mm -hmm. is still a learning experience and every single day that evolves, right? And that's, Mm There's not uh, there's not many areas where you see the pace of change and uh, there are many that. careers that you can yeah. see it so blistered and so that that is something that constantly keeps my my passion that you know that for for technology front and center and really uh, uh, it just just the people side of it is exciting me as well because like I think if you thought technology was tough that's actually the easy part of this equation the people side <laughs> of it yeah the, is is the easy part. Mean, individuals, human beings, all have their personal preferences, their context is different than others. And 25 years into it, you start realizing that, like, yeah, you know, you were dealing with the easy part of it. Now let's figure out if you can. You will never be able to be an expert in people, but if you can listen, if you can learn, and if you can grow with that, when you can combine that technology with people, you can yeah. move right? And and that's it's, that's an unending quest, right? Like, so I could probably do this for the next 30 years. And still not be done. Right. With
1: it. Yeah. Right. And there are some folks, you know, they just, that the, the tech is everything to them and, and whatnot. But I'll, I'll kind of pose the question I would ask you, Rick, sort of rhetorically, you know, hey, show me, show me your computer that you were using in 2005 and you wouldn't have anything to show me. Yeah. But if I asked you and, and I'm going to I'm going to uh, I want you to do this actually. I want you to tell me the first name that comes to mind of somebody you work with back in 2005 and and what they meant to you.
0: Yeah. Um it would be uh, Mike Keller, right? Who Mike Keller was the uh, uh was the enterprise CIO at Nationwide uh yeah. for the time I was there. And Mike was unbelievable in terms of how good of a mentor and friend he was, right? You know, there were times in that 10 or 11 years where I hated his guts for saying what that is. And I think, look, I'm a very close friend of him I call him pretty much every month just to catch up. He's retired now. Uh, He's on (laughs) a couple of boards. I talk to him every every month or two to kind of just catch up. And I don't leave that conversation without telling him, thank you, right? And just tell him like, Mike, where I am right now. I would not have been there without you, right? Because you he was the guy who was patient enough to say, like, Sri, uh, this thing didn't get here in one year. You're not going to fix it in a year, <laughs> right? <You know? laughs> kind of try to understand it because you'll just die of a heart attack if you try to solve all these problems yourself. Yeah. You need to kind of step back and do this. And, and and there were times where, like, I'd listen to Mike and go, like, what, what do you say, right? Like, it's what my version of what Steve Jobs was saying, like in terms of tough medicine, because yeah. – what Mike did for me was that he made me understand that failure is part of the learning process because mm. I had not failed big time till then. He, he, he actually taught me that failure is part of the learning process. And he also taught me how to react when things were failing, like, like when things succeed there's got a hundred people cheering for you and saying, I did, a, I did this on the project and others. When things fail, you're standing there alone, right? Like you're the lone, you're the lone told man standing him something there. was going to go wrong and he didn't listen. Right. And so <laughs> getting, getting to that recognition, that number one, you learn a lot more from failure than you do from success. Right. So, mm-hmm. so you learn. And then number two, don't, don't um, take it personally. Right. Don't, don't necessarily take it personally. Be, see if you can take a step back, analyze the situation in a very logical way, and then come back at it with, with the empathy to kind of go solve it. Right. Right. And Mike, I, I can't say enough about what he meant to my career. Well, folks, um, you know, tech, career.
1: yeah, that's amazing. Well, and you, you just, you made the, you made the, the example and that is we're, we're in this industry of tech. We're on this amazing pace. Um, but the tech will forget and the people we won't. And it's the people that will help us that are the only things that will help us be successful. And, um, and so, Serena, you've, you've got a, a lifetime of experience in that space. And thank you so much for being on today and sharing that. And, uh, and folks, I hope you will go uh, follow him on the, on the socials. He, he, he's not posting every day, but when he does, you're going to want to read it. You're going to want to watch it.
0: Appreciate it, Jeff. Um, it's been a pleasure. Like it's been, uh, look, as I said, it, it, this business is, is uh, almost like more than half of it is about the people. And you're one of those folks that like in my short two and a half months at Backspace, I know, look, uh, now I've kind of uh, interacted with and I've started to work with a different set of folks where I can learn from things. And hopefully as part of our collaborations, you'll pick up some of the things that I bring to the table. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, together we're, we're going to get better. Right. we're only going to get better
1: that's that's if that. if if we can do that we will have won yeah. all right so thanks so much for being on today yeah thanks
0: man this has been cloud talk you can find cloud talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts and be sure to check out more content from rackspace solve at solve.rackspace.com
1: so at this point, I'm feeling like maybe you're feeling a little bit jealous that we get to work with Srini on a day-to-day basis. What a sharp guy. What a personable individual and a pleasure to get to work with on a day-to-day basis. Wait, did you take my advice before? Did you subscribe to Cloud Talk? If not, would love for you to do that. If you have and you're enjoying this content, how about one of those five-star reviews? They really do make a difference. Now, this podcast, Cloud Talk, it's part of the Rackspace Thought Leadership Program called Solve, where we bring valuable information for free to you guys every, well, effectively every single day, whether it's podcasts, live recordings, whether it's long-form, short-form articles, or our in-depth research, all available over at rackspace.com solve. As I mentioned, we charge nothing for this content. And as Jordan Harbinger says, If you're enjoying this content, the only fee is that you share it with a friend. Now I mentioned earlier that we have these live programs every Tuesday and Thursday on LinkedIn. They're on YouTube. They're on Twitter as well. At eight thirty Central Time, we go live with some amazing guests, and it's a great conversation. Again, if you subscribe to the podcast, you've heard the audio. But if you come to the live event, well, your engagement actually helps drive the conversation. We have gone way off the rails from what we thought we were going to do based on the conversation we ended up having with the audience. So I'd love for you to attend those that's 8 30 central time tuesday and thursday on linkedin youtube and on twitter hey guys lastly if you want to get a hold of us you can do that by sending an email to cloud at rackspace.com comes directly to me actually in the entire production crew and again, huge thanks to AppDynamics for their support of, of the Solve program. Folks, it's been a pleasure to be with you here today. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. We'll have a fresh, new, shiny podcast here for you next week. There's one available every week. And until then, I'm Jeff Deverter, the host for Cloud Talk.